All right, Alexander, let's talk about the banking crisis in uh, the United States, the bailout, but let's not call it a bailout, of uh, SVB, of Signature Bank. Uh, a lot of, lot of problems in the U.S. banking uh, system and uh, a lot of different views as to whether SVB uh, mismanaged things, if they didn't mismanage things, because at the end of the day, they were... Uh, they were investing in securities, supposedly very safe securities, but interest rates go up. Why do those interest rates go up? Maybe because of lockdowns, money printing, and sanctions against Russia. But you know, who who am I to to talk about inflation and and the need to deal with inflation by pumping up the interest rates because your administration makes a bunch of bonehead moves? But um. There's a lot of talk that that SVB and, and everything that's happening with SVB and Signature Bank is just in one step closer to central bank digital currencies, and that a lot of this was engineered. Perhaps the the VCs in Silicon Valley also, uh, I think, very credible um, rumors that the venture capital community they uh, they pushed uh, Biden, they amplified the fears of a bank run bank run in order to get their money out of uh of SVB that that sounds very plausible as well so there there is a lot of different different thoughts and ideas as to as to what's going on but either way uh Biden on a Sunday on a Sunday the Biden White House decided to bail out um SVB and Signature Bank that one is a weird one because all of a sudden that bank became a, a bad bank and they had to bail out that one as well um where you know we had no indication that Signature Bank was in trouble and finally, there is uh, the fear of contagion. And uh, there are some people, I believe, uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, I believe, who is saying that this may even spread to Credit Suisse, Suisse I know. in Europe. Yeah, There's a lot of talk we, about that as well. I don't want to no. um, alarm no. anybody, but contagion is a worry. Yes. One gets the sense that there's an awful lot going on here which is happening beneath the surface and about which only very, very few people know the whole story. And I think that's the first thing to say. If this thing does spread to Credit Suisse, and I want to make it very clear, I don't know that it will, and I don't know that it does. All I'm seeing is what I am reading in the open media, including, by the way, the Financial Times. So, you know, if it does spread to an institution like that, then we are in a global financial crisis. And I'm not going to make immediate comparisons with 2008, but that is a bank very different from the ones we've been talking about. I mean, SVB is an unusual bank. I mean, I, I don't again want to emphasize, overstress how unusual it was because every bank has its own personality and characteristics. SVB apparently had a relatively small number of accounts in those accounts tended to carry an awful lot of you know money so they, they were very big accounts held by a relatively small group of people all of those people interconnected in a relatively small group circle but again why then pull out so fast why not given that, you know, talking about a community operating a particular bank, why not help that bank recapitalize, which is what it was trying to do. You might have expected that 
they'd want to keep this bank going. But anyway, that didn't work. It all fails. Signature Bank, as you correctly said, nobody had heard any stories that there was any problems there. Suddenly we're told that's failed too. Lots of people taking uh, um, money out of the small banks, putting them in the big banks, and as you rightly say, Biden administration doing what it always says, the opposite of, you know, the, it, it says one thing, it immediately does the opposite. It says there's not going to be a, ba a bailout, and of course it carries out a bailout. It says there's not going to be any losses to the depositors, it's going to cover all the deposits fully. It's acting, as it says, to protect the integrity of the banking system, which in effect means that the United States government has now just backstopped the deposits across the banking system of the United States. Whether that's realistic, whether that's possible, whether that's actually going to happen, I'm not going to get go there. But that's what we see. So there's clearly fragility. And if you read articles in the Financial Times, in the Telegraph, in all sorts of places. Some people are clearly very worried. Now, whether they can control this, whether it's, you know, spreading, whether there is a real infection spreading, whether things are going very badly wrong, that's, I, I'm not in a position to say that at the moment. If, as I said, it affects one of the key financial institutions, a Swiss bank, well, then, I mean, you know, then we're in a different ball game completely. But what none of this can take away from is exactly what you were saying. We have a fragile system. We've had excessive amounts of money printing over the last few years, especially since the administration took over. Um, we've had problems from lockdowns. But the major problems, in my opinion, was the excessive amount of injection of funding into the economy in the months after the administration took over. That's caused inflation to rise. That's forced interest rates up. Interest rates, the rise in interest rates, is now destabilizing or at least causing stresses within the financial system. And it's now clear that inflation has not been brought down by those previous interest rate increases. It's rising again. We've just had another hot inflation number from the United States. So the question is this. What does the Fed, what do the other financial uh, authorities do? Do they continue to focus on inflation and risk more problems in the banking system and the financial system? Or do they act to protect the financial system, or perhaps more correctly, the people who run the financial system, the various powerful people who, you know, are the people who operate the financial system, many of whom are big donors to the Democrats. Let's be straightforward about that. Do they, do they act to protect them? In which case... They might either pause or even reduce interest rates or heaven, heaven help us increase liquidity even more. After all, if you're backstopping deposits, you are increasing liquidity, in which case we're going to see a further rise in inflation in the United States. I mean, it's, that's, that's the situation the administration has brought us to.
Well, from what I read, the Fed was about to raise interest rates towards the end of the month, I believe, but that was before all of this happened. So I, I don't know what the, the Fed is going to do now. No. Uh, one thing is certain, uh, is certain. What I believe is is definitely going to, to need to happen in order to backstop uh, every every bank in the United States is more money printing. Exactly. I, I mean, I think this is this is inevitable now. So yes, h- how are they going to print more money and not raise interest rates? But I think they've understood that raising the interest rates is going to cause more problems. So I, I just yes, they've really boxed themselves in. Yes, I mean we are we are. In, we are so it's a, so it looks to me. I mean, we're increasingly now in a situation, and you know that you get all kinds in these kind of situations. You get all kinds of people who write and you know comment and come up with all sorts of technical explanations about what's going wrong. But ultimately, this is the problem. Interest rates have been rising in a situation where, for far too long, there's excessive liquidity and excessive debt. And not enough security behind that debt. That's really ultimately the problem in the United States up to now. So we've had that's the problem in the financial system. And, you know, there there may be individual explanations why a particular bank is in trouble. But that's the generic problem, which explains the general fragility. But... That same excessive liquidity has led to inflation. And the way you you drain out inflation classically is you raise interest rates. But you can't raise interest rates because of the fragility. So you are caught in a trap. Now, they've been raising interest rates for about, well, about a year now, more than just over a year. And they bought, they thought they'd brought down inflation to some extent, but clearly not to any great degree. And absolutely, as you rightly say, if the priority is to shore up the financial system, which, by the way, it will be. I mean, the one thing Biden, the Democrats, the political class is not going to allow is an uncontrolled collapse of the financial system, if that is indeed what's being threatened. They will return to QE They'll cut interest rates. They'll go back into negative interest rate territory, um, uh, go below the zero bound, all of those things if they have to. They'll do it, be under no doubt about that. It's very difficult to see. In fact, it's impossible to see how they can do all of those things in a situation where prices are already rising, inflation is already growing without adding more inflationary fuel to the fire as well. We go back to that series of disastrous decisions that the administration took. Firstly, when it came in, when, as I said, it ran the economy hot because it wanted to overtake China in in terms of GDP growth, something it has, by the way, completely failed to do. And, of course, it compounded that error by launching an economic war against Russia, which has disrupted supply chains and brought chaos to global energy and now shipping markets. And we can talk about that some other time. And the result is inflationary pressures, which are only barely under control, if they're under control at all. Yeah, right. Uh, ghost, 
ghost tankers, 400 ghost tankers yeah. right off the, the coast of Greece. <laughs> the ghost tankers. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm hearing... Of Greece. You know, uh, the shadow tankers. Uh, uh, what do they call the shadow absolutely. tankers? The shadow tankers. Well, bear in mind, you know, I mean, I've always taken an interest in shipping matters. After all, you know, I'm Greek after all. And all I can tell you is this. I gather it's much more. There are far more shadow tankers now than there are uh, than, than people are saying. I mean, I, uh, at the rate the shadow fleets are growing, we're before long going to have more shadow tankers than non-shadow tankers. I'm being I'm being facetious, but I mean, we are we are well, the- seeing this whole situation explode, <laughs> and I think this is some this is creating havoc. It makes it very very difficult to keep track of what's going on in world trade. And it creates major disruption and it creates chaos. Nobody knows any longer what's going on and what anybody else is doing. And that's the reality of the situation in most of the world economy now. Well, they shouldn't have put uh, an oil price cap. They shouldn't have put a gas price cap. They shouldn't have kicked Russia out of SWIFT. They shouldn't have made the decision to place these shock and awe sanctions against Russia because that just made the problem with uh, with inflation and interest rates even worse. And my philosophy on all of this is what they, what they pumped into the economy after the lockdowns is over and done. You, you can't take that back. But the sanctions is a political decision. And yes. it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't even come no. close to solving the problem. But at least, at least you can make the political decision to roll back all the sanctions, you know, get rid of these restrictions from SWIFT and the oil price caps and the ceilings and all of this stuff, roll it all back, pull out of Ukraine, and at least maybe, maybe just hope that you can stabilize things just a little bit to buy yourself some time, some breathing room. Because if you don't, well, then the the, the whole thing is, is just going to come crumbling down like a house of cards because there's one other factor, Alexander, that no one is mentioning, but we've mentioned it on this channel over and over again. And I saw the New York Post finally, finally write about this. And it has to do with the USD, the reserve currency. 20 years ago, the US had the reserve currency and everyone needed dollars. But that's changing. In the New York Post, they wrote an article with the title, Why the U.S. Dollar Has Become an At-Risk Currency. And they talk about how the U.S. has used sanctions so much that they've basically built up an alliance of very big, strong, powerful countries that have a lot of manufacturing, China, that have a lot of commodities. And these countries are now moving away from the dollar very, very quickly. And this is going to, this makes this whole problem with, with SVB and the banking crisis and the interest rates and the inflation, this makes it even worse. And this is once again, um, a problem, a mistake of the Biden White House. And and now you're starting to see people in uh, the US mainstream media starting to talk about this. They are starting to talk about this now, and we've been saying this for a long time. So, I mean, the fact that the, that, that, that the U.S. is losing the reserve currency is going to make all of this stuff much, much worse. So, I, you, you know, in my opinion, the only solution, they, the, only, the only decision they can make right now, right now, quickly, to try and bring some stability is, 
is what I said. They won't be able to do it. Obviously, they don't. Biden doesn't have it in him to make this decision, but that would at least calm things down, in my opinion. I completely Maybe agree with that. I completely agree with that. And can I just make a few quick points? I mean, obviously, SVB, all the Signature Bank, all that, these are rumblings in the financial system that tell us that there are problems in the financial system. We see, as I said, hot inflation numbers in Europe and the United States. We see much hotter inflation numbers in, you know, the outlying fringes of the global economy, places like Argentina and Turkey. Argentina now has inflation over 100%. Turkey... I'm not even going to try and remember what the situation there is. So, you know, but you can see signs of things going wrong, building up all around. And you're absolutely right. I mean, whatever they did during the lockdowns, whatever they did after the lockdowns, whatever they did in the first year of the administration, it was all very, very bad. You can't reverse that now. It's, I was going to say water under the bridge, but shall we say money under the bridge? It's now gone. I mean, it's in the past. You have to deal with the problem today. And you're absolutely right. You need a complete change in direction. You need to stop this absolute over-profligate, absolutely insane, out-of-control misuse, abuse of sanctions and of the dollar's reserve currency position. You need to actually start caring about and worrying about the dollar. And not just about the dollar as a reserve currency, but about the dollar altogether and about what that means for the, in, for the you know, health of the United States. This administration isn't going to do that. You need a new administration. And if you need a new administration, I'm going to say this, logically, the only person who's shown any understanding of these issues within the political class about the need to start having good relations with certain countries, to try to find ways out of the crises that the United States has been led into. Well, I have to say it, it's Donald Trump. I know people don't like it sometimes when we say these things, but at least he's showing an awareness of the nature of the problems that far few, few, far too few people are. And you talk about the New York Post. Well, let's just look at the situation. We have the world's biggest manufacturer, by far, China. I mean, you've been circulating um, um, amongst, well, myself and some other people, a chart from the Financial Times, which shows that China today has a bigger manufacturing capacity than the United States and Europe combined. I mean, just think of that. We have the largest commodity producer, which is Russia. <laughs> Biggest commodity producer. It's the second biggest exporter of oil, the biggest exporter of food, the biggest exporter of uranium. You name it, they export it. Anything that you can dig out of the ground or produce on the ground, they are the biggest co commodity producer. And before the country also, the third country, which before very long, is going to be probably the biggest provider of services and of you know intellectual things, India, <laughs> and they're all coming together because they feel threatened and bullied and pressured in some way. And you have other big oil exporters like the Saudis also gradually edging out of the dollar system. And why? Because the dollar system is becoming 
impossible to use. And again, I talked about the fact that I know a certain amount about shipping. I mean, I've been hearing stories that there are now so many sanctions against so many entities and against so many people and that the US is so whimsical in how it you know, enforces these sanctions. So if you deal with you know, a company that deals with another company that's got a shareholder who sanctioned himself and might have some connections with other entities which might also be sanctioned. If you, if you, if you find yourself in that kind of chain, then you risk being penalised yourself. And, you know, so you might be a Greek ship owner sending a tanker to, let's say, Karachi, and you're dealing with a company there in Karachi, which is a Pakistani company, which seems entirely bona fide, but that Pakistani company has some connections with another company that's trading with a company in China, which is sanctioned. Well, you could find yourself in trouble. So this apparently is becoming an absolute nightmare. And it is complicating world trade. And how does the United States keep track of all of these moves? It keeps track because up to now you've been using dollars and you've been sending money through SWIFT. So if you're going to conduct your business efficiently, you opt out of SWIFT and you opt out of the dollar system, which you can now, for the first time, start to do. And that's going to happen increasingly. It's still only happening on the margins, but it's the margins are getting bigger all the time and growing very fast. Yeah, the countries that they're sanctioning are becoming the entities that they're sanctioning are becoming more and more that pretty soon all the entities that are sanctioned are going to actually outnumber the entities in the countries that are doing the sanctioning. Yes, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yes, and that is what's yes. happening. Exactly. That is exactly right. And, of course, the, they're, they're the bigger markets, ultimately. They're, they're the, as I said, they're already the biggest producers of pretty much everything. So, I mean, sooner or later, I mean, the Saudis today, or was it either today or yesterday, actually gave a warning. And they said that they will not supply oil to any com country that imposes a price cap on their oil. Now, why would the Saudis say that? I mean, up to now, there's been no over threats that we know of to do that. I can only assume that, yes, the Saudis are furious about the oil cap on the Russians and the gas cap on the Russians because they see that that's a threat. But I'm going to make a further guess that with all these moves with China and with Iran, somebody has been making some very unwise threats against the Saudis as well. <laughs> and that's why they're coming out with statements like this. So, you know, this is out of control and it's having disastrous effects and we're starting to see the signs. We're starting to see the harsher inflation numbers, the stresses in the financial and banking systems, and they're all going to grow until this changes. Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. I, I, someone in the State Department, I don't know, someone somewhere over there, called up the Saudis and said, don't you dare uh, open up diplomatic relations with, uh, with Iran. If you do it, we're going to sanction you. I'll put money on it that something like that happened and the Saudis, they freaked out and they said, if you guys even dare, dare to impose price caps and price ceilings on us, well, 
we're not going to sell to you. Something like that happened. No doubt about it. I, I, I don't know if, if the U.S., if the dollar system, if they can survive another year and a half of Biden, two years of Biden. No, man, absolutely. I mean, this anymore. is... I know. I, I, I think that still many people in the United States haven't grasped quite how dangerous to the United States this administration is. I mean, even a country as rich and powerful and as the United States, it can only absorb so much damage. And... It's not the United States of, say, 1980 or you know, 2000 or 1950, where, you know, you can have a president who behaves erratically, but it, the country's so powerful, so much more powerful than everybody else, that it can just absorb it and just sail on. That's not the world we live in anymore. And I do hope people in the political class are beginning to understand it. I mean, there's been some interesting comments made by... DeSantis again about Ukraine. But so far, the only person who seems to have at least some grasp of what's going on and of how fragile the position is becoming is Donald Trump. And one has to say this. I mean, he may not be, you know, an intellectual. He may not be somebody who sits down and, you know, goes through the figures. Though, you know, he is a businessman. He probably does understand figures pretty well. His economic policies showed that he does have a feeling for these things. And anyway, one way or the other, whether instinctively or intellectually, he has a feel that things are going wrong. And he's right. All right. We will end it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rockfin, on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram. And go to the Duran shop 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.